Welcome to Safe Dividend Investings, podcast number 99 on January 18th of 2023. Today, I'll be answering seven interesting investment questions that I've received in the last week. My latest investment book, New York Stock Exchange's 106 Best High Dividend Stocks, is now available at Amazon.com. Question number one. What do you think about the seven dividend aristocrat stocks recommended by U.S. News Invested that you should hold forever? These seven do not impress me. I can easily find seven stocks that pay far far better dividends and are financially stronger and can be purchased at a much more reasonable price. The seven stocks they recommend are AbbVie Inc., Coca-Cola, Costco, Johnson & Johnson, United Parcel Service, PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated, and Cisco Systems. None of these seven are paying a dividend greater than 3.84% that AbbVie is paying. One of them, Costco, is paying a measly dividend of less than 1%. You would wonder why Costco even bothers. The two least expensive of these seven stocks are Coca-Cola, which costs $61.98, and Cisco Systems, at $48.20. The most expensive is Costco, which costs $486.76. The other four range between $154.21 for AbbVie and $179.71 for United Parcel Service. These are large overpriced stocks. Investors buy them because they are large and well-known, not because they provide a generous growing dividend income for a retired person who needs to get the best value for their money. When you compare their share prices to the book values, a book value is calculated by a company's accountants, there are no bargains here. It costs $61.98 to buy a Coca-Cola share, whose book value is only $5.32. AbbVie's share price is $152.21, but its book value is only $8.71. The only one of these seven that is not overpriced is PNC Financial Services, whose share price was 165 cents and its book value is $132.61. Dividends are paid from the operating margin of a company. The highest operating margin of these seven was PNC Financial Services, which at 35 0.42% is not 
unusual for a financial institution, it is not a surprise that the lowest operating margin is Costco at 3.40%, which is not unusual for a mass volume retailer, but it is a bit of a stretch to promote Costco as an attractive dividend stock to hold forever when it is paying a dividend of less than 1%. As a retired person, I want my portfolio to grow, not shrink, plus I want a high dividend income. I don't have an employment income. I live off that dividend portfolio. If I invest a million dollars, I want to safely realize at least $60,000 in dividend income. If I invested a million dollars in Costco, I would realize a dividend income of only $7,400. Compare that to investing the same million dollars in a financially strong stock traded on the New York Stock Exchange like BHP Group Limited, with its operating margin of 52.39%. Here, I would realize a dividend income of $129,400. I also want to see my share prices increase. So when I see that with BHP, I not only realize a high dividend income, but I can see since 2000 that the share price has steadily climbed from $8.68 to $61.84. Why would I not choose to invest at least a percentage of my portfolio in a stock where I could not realize similar gains in income? It only takes a few minutes to go to your online stock data research website to find dozens of stocks that are safe and pay higher dividend yield percentages than these so-called blue-chip dividend stocks that U.S. News is recommending. For those not used to online research, go to a book like New York Stock Exchange's 106 Best High Dividend Stocks Analyzed and Scored. Flipping through the pages, within a few minutes, you can easily identify seven stocks that would be much better buys than U.S. News's seven dividend aristocrats. The seven stocks are all chosen from the 500 stocks and the overrated Standard & Poor Index. I say overrated because it is flawed. It totally ignores stocks like the hundreds of financially strong foreign stocks traded on the New York Stock Exchange that pay much higher dividends and are stronger than many American Standard & Poor 500 companies. Investing really is all about maximizing the return on your money. Question number two. Are financial advisors compensated to ensure they provide unbiased advice? I doubt if non-biased financial advisor exists. Financial advisors are being trained to convince you to give them 
your money. They will always capture your attention with a specific investment, which is immediate indication of bias. Once they have your money, they can deduct fees, charges, commissions, and bonuses. You will only have a vague idea of how much they and the service they deal with are taking from your account. In investing your money, they have thousands of investments that they can choose from. Since they do not have time to thoroughly research thousands of investments, they rely upon others to suggest which investments should receive your money. Those they rely upon most certainly are biased towards certain investments. The only way to avoid biased financial advisors feasting on your money is to do your own research and be a self-directed investor. Then you only have to worry about your own bias decisions. Question number three. Is executive compensation aligned with shareholder value? In a large corporation, there can be hundreds of executives. The corporation can have millions of shareholders. Often, there is no shareholders, only a significant percentage of the shares. This allows the chief executive officer to handpick who goes on the board of directors. The directors are chosen because they will approve what the CEO proposes. They get to be wined, dined, and compensated as long as they take their lead from the chief executive officer. As long as the company is making a profit, paying its regular dividends, and its share prices are rising, the shareholders go to sleep. This allows the executives to receive whatever compensation the CEO thinks is appropriate. The executives are very, very supportive of a chief executive officer who compensates them very, very well. Shareholder value would not enter into the chief executive officer's thinking. What he is thinking is the more he pays his executives, the easier it is for the board to approve his own bloated compensation, which is several multiples higher than any executive working under him. Corporations are not democratic governments. Question number four. Do current regulations adequately prevent corporate misconduct involved in the selling of stocks? The current regulations are not adequate to prevent investment misconduct. The investment industry players pay lip service to the regulations. Lawyers are paid to find ways around regulations. Millions are spent on lobbying politicians to make sure new laws do not impact the financial institution's profits. There is no organized counterforce that has millions to spend on lobbying to put real teeth into the regulations. 
Greed is one of the greatest motivators in the world. It is not going to go away. Almost daily, you can read of the employees of investment services stealing millions of dollars of their trusting clients' life savings. Naive, financially illiterate investors are easily sold investment scams who accept their losses from what they see as being in a casino. No one has taken responsibility for teaching the population how to recognize the difference between a safe, beneficial investment and a speculative, unsafe investment. The investment industry is certainly not doing it, nor are the security administrators who are too closely aligned with the investment industry. Question number five. What kind of person does it appear some investment banks seek to employ? Many years ago, I had a new business salesman working for me. He got extraordinary results, the best I've ever seen. However, the people who bought from him disliked him intensely. He is the only salesperson I've ever had that caused a prospective customer to phone me and say that while they were going to buy, they never wanted to ever have to deal with that salesman again. It did not surprise me. The salesman was definitely not the warm and friendly type. He was a super aggressive shark who would do and say whatever was necessary to close the sale. He would not accept a no from a prospect. If humiliating a prospect would result in a sale, he would humiliate and shame the prospect. The company got sold and we all went our different ways. I got into writing investment books. The salesman went to work for a very large major bank as an investment advisor. He soon was given the title of vice president in recognition of his sales abilities. I had the opportunity to ask him once an investment question and came away with the impression that his knowledge of investing was just enough to give the impression that he was knowledgeable. I am sure he was able to intimidate and bully prospects into investing with him. All he cared about was closing sales, not in acquiring an in-depth knowledge of investing. I have come in contact with many investment advisors. Most of them were not ruthless sharks. Few of them have impressed me with their ability to use investment knowledge to grow wealth. Most seemed to have very unimpressive stock portfolios. An investment advisor investing in one index fund does not impress me. Banks are businesses. They are not charitable institutions. Like all businesses, they exist to make a profit. Big profits come from maximizing sales and minimizing expenses. Financial advisors working for banks 
are employees. If they want to hold their jobs, they must bring in enough revenue. They are trained to transfer money from your pocket to the bank's pocket. There are millions of prospects out there. However, getting prospects to give you access to their money is never easy. You do not need an investment advisor to realize a reliable income and grow your wealth. As a self-directed investor, you can be taught how to carefully and cost-effectively choose very safe, rewarding stocks. It is not difficult, nor does it take very long. Investing can be done without the bank and the investment advisor taking big bites out of your wealth for the rest of your life. Question number six. How do companies determine their stock price? A company does not determine the stock price. The company has no control over the price. It can only influence the optimistic speculators and the pessimistic speculators who are bidding for shares on the auction vehicle known as a stock exchange. The optimists think the share price is about to go up. The pessimists think the price is about to go down. They have to bid a price that will cause another speculator to accept the price being offered. If a price is not accepted, the transfer of stock from one speculator to another will not take place and the price will not change. The only time a company has a say in setting its share price is on the IPO, the Initial Placement Order, in conjunction with the financial institution that would be selling these initial stocks to investors. They try to settle on a share price that will generate the most development money for the company and yet still attract speculators. Sometimes it can be a disaster. Speculators see the price initially offered as too high and they bid much lower prices for the stock. At other times, this initial stock price was too low and the price soars, making speculators rich. Buying IPOs can be a gamble. Question number seven. Why were investors enticed by Bernie Madoff's investment strategies despite the unusually high returns and lack of transparency? There is a rude expression, bullshit baffles brains. People want to believe that certain people are the chosen ones and possess powers that we, common, ordinary mortals, do not. Bernie Madoff was a respected figure in the investment industry. Over several decades, he had established a reputation of being able to create wealth for his clients. You have to wonder, at what point did he cross over the line and see that he could take the money deposited from new investors 
and use it to pay speculator gains to the existing clients in order to create the illusion that these incredible returns came from wise investing. This, in turn, encouraged more and more money to be invested by his clients and prospective clients. If the market had not crashed in 2008, causing investors to withdraw rather than deposit funds with Bernie Madoff, the con would still be going on. Those receiving these gains had expected outstanding gains and wanted more. The last thing they were going to do was rudely question the sainted guru how it was possible. Typically, investors only ask hard questions about their returns when they become aware that they are losing money. If what Bernie was doing was a bit off, they didn't really want to know about it. Investors, like most of us, are basically lazy and naive. For example, they buy mutual funds without looking at the fund's prospectus, which would reveal what the fund is really costing them and what rights they have given away to the fund manager. Once a fund is invested in, why do investors accept that it is logical to be paying the same fees on it year after year? They want to believe that a mutual fund with 500 stocks in it must be good and that all fund managers are experts at picking stocks, despite the reality that hundreds of mutual funds fold every year, despite the fact that there are not 500 good stocks worth investing in. Is it any different than the cryptocurrency promotions like the following? Dash has gained popularity because it offers significant advantage over Bitcoin. Dash's price started increasing in 2016 and finally took off in 2017. Its price grew from $10 in the beginning of 2017 to a high of $1,540 in December 2017. Can you guess the percentage of return? It's almost 15,000%. With a payout like that, how can investors not want to risk putting some money into it, even though you do not have a clue as to why it should have gained 15,000%? Speculating is so much more exciting than carefully finding and analyzing 20 financially strong stocks whose share prices and dividend payouts have risen steadily since 1999 and will give you a reliable dividend income of 6% a year. As a self-directed investor, the one-time charge of $9 to buy each of these 20 stocks that you will own for the rest of your life is dullness, personified, even if the portfolio may double in value every five years, if you invest the dividends back into it. Greedy emotion often trumps logic in the stock market.
Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com. Thank you.